Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. So, I have a question. If I say this statement, tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. The uncomfortable road to promotion. Don't put any real thought into it. Don't try to be a uh, theologian or anything. Just what comes to mind when you think of the statement, the uncomfortable road to promotion? Now, that question was posed to me. I think that one of the first things that would have popped in my mind, just kind of brainstorming out loud, it would have been endurance. That in itself, just that statement brings on this feeling of like, oh, what do you have to deal with now in order for you to arrive where you want and desire to be later? Something about that statement is also very oxymoronic. The uncomfortable road to promotion. Why is it that uh, anything discomfort and promotion is in that close of a proximity to each other. Like promotion is supposed to be the happy, the oh my goodness, you did it. Let me throw you a dinner. Let me send you a card, balloons, because yay, you did it kind of thing. Like God has blessed you. Prayers have been answered. Listen, that grandbaby is a promoted grandbaby. You understand? And then uncomfort, discomfort rather, just seems like, oh. Yeah, that word is used for women who are um, done being pregnant, okay? Uh, just you, your back hurts because you've been sitting for too long or you worked out too hard and that muscle feels that kind of way. Yeah, so I don't think that in and of itself we would combine those two words or even have them that close in proximity. But what I'm coming to realize is that Usually, one of the caveats to promotion is discomfort. Yeah. I, in my little bit of wisdom, on this little bit of time here on this green and blue earth, what I've come to realize is, yeah, nine times out of ten, discomfort was somewhere on the horizon, either before, during, or after the promotion. That's why you always hear celebrities say things like, man, this frame ain't what you think, you know, but you got prom- promoted. You're making more money than you've ever made. You have the fame. You have the accolades. You have the Grammy, the Oscar, the Emmy, whatever it is. Like if you compared your life now to where it was, you know, a decade or so ago, you definitely have been promoted, but you definitely have been uncomfortable. I have been doing a lot of thinking lately and I'm really having a difficult time and I'm just going to be candid, hoping that you are a non-gossiping grandbaby, okay? I don't think I'm in, I'm no longer comfortable with this thing that has occurred in our culture where it's okay for you to be overworked and underpaid. Or undermined, or anything that will have you under. Okay, I don't like it. 
I feel like trying to be very careful with my words and it's not working because I just want to shoot from the hip. The reality is, is that you can no longer continue to operate as you used to thinking that you'll be able to keep the greatness that is to come. You and whoever you would be, okay, uh, whether it's a person in superiority, a supervisor, a parent, uh, whomever, I just do not believe that we can continue to operate like those in the past and think, remotely think, that you are going to incur the greatness, the future greatness that God has in store. And so sitting on the, because what I do is when I'm thinking of a scenario, I like to sit in both seats because it gives me a better perspective. So if I'm discussing something in business, I want to sit in the perspective seat of the person in leadership and then I want to go back to the other side of the table and I want to put myself in the shoes of what the employee perspective would be. I do the same thing with parenting. I sit in the role of a parent then I get back into the role of a child because let me explain something to you that is great about promotion. You have, Although you have experienced promotion somewhere, God has blessed you to see what the other seats feel like. So one of my many, 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 many vows to myself is that when I get to the stage, I will never forget what it felt like to sit on the seat. Because so many of us have experienced that. Like your supervisor, like they forgot what it was to be a subordinate. Like not to their supervisor, but like the position they had prior to their promotion. Did they like to work those hours? Did they like to go ahead and have that particular request or task given to them? Did they like that? Did they like that? And I believe that when God promotes people, he's promoting the people that were uncomfortable so that when you get to your seat, you do something about it. If you don't like the way that you were raised as a child, that doesn't give you the right to go copy and paste as a parent. Because that's all you knew, or that's how my mother did me, or my father dealt with me just like this. But did you like it? Let's not fall victim to the, I turned out pretty good. Well, you know what? And I'm more respectful. But did you have a close relationship with your caregiver, your guardian? Were you open in your emotions? Did you feel free in your home to discuss when something bothered you or when you were excited about something? Were you able to discuss when something was unfair in a child's space? But were you able to communicate? No, because respect was the iron fist of the home. And now you're an adult who does not know how to communicate effectively. So it takes the people around you and maybe a counselor or two to undo what your parents did not do. But guess what? Here you are cutting and pasting into your parental role. And what do you think that's going to produce? A bigger caseload for a future therapist, sir, ma'am. Something about you experiencing that hardship and not even having the inkling to change that. I'll give you a minute example. When I was a child, okay, my mother had an a.m. o'clock alarm set for Saturdays that we clean. When she was up, you was up, and that's just how that was going to go. And you're going to get these, this pine saw, okay? You're going to get this bleach, this Windex, the combo, 
don't care how you do it, but it better be done. It better be done well. I don't care how sleepy you are. And also, you do this before you eat. So you 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 go to school Monday through Friday. You think you got a sleeping day. <laughs> Joke's on you. You get up. You do all this cleaning. And then her verbiage was, and then you can go back to sleep. Ma'am. You think the way this bleach is hitting my nose and going to the cranium thereof that I'm going to be able to find some snooze after this? You think what you putting on whatever your song of choice is blasting throughout the home, that now I feel sleepy again? Let, let me ask you something. If the same requirement for cleaning was still set in place, so the standard is still there, however, comma, it was just done after I slept in, would that have ruined your entire day? I'm just, I don't, just a question. Because I don't understand. And so one of the things that I did in my parental role, I'm not waking y'all up because that does not make sense to me. They go to school Monday through Friday. They then go ahead and get one sleep in day. Because guess what? If you're that parent that goes ahead and, and congregates and goes to the church on Sunday, they got to get up early again. So when do you experience a, the summertime? And even then you're like, y'all not going to be sleeping all day in this house. And you opening up curtains. That's how they did us back in the days, right? And it's like, tell me, can I say something? Like, why do you do it that way? Because that's how grandma did them. And then that's how great-grandma did grandma. And then, so who's going to break up the monotony of uh, discomfort? Or did you just become so adaptive to the discomfort that the only thing that made sense to you is just copy and paste it? You know, what goes on in this house stays in this house. Who taught, who's the first person that said that? Was it great-grandma? So yeah, just keep copy and pasting everything? I mean, granted, I don't want nobody in my business either, but I want you to be able, if it's going to stay in this house, God, I want you to be able to discuss the matters of this home to the people in it. Respectfully. Be able to raise your hand if that makes you feel, and say, can I say something? And, and I don't want to get in trouble because this is my truth. But, can, but like the way you're talking to me, like can you, are you able to go ahead and get that out? Or do you have to be quiet and go on punching somebody in their face and act up in school or be the neighborhood bully? Or you see what I'm saying? Like, do you have to take it out that way? And so there's just a lot of undermining that I'm not cool with. And unfortunately, and fortunately at the same time, I have arrived at this eureka moment that the only people that really create some type of perpetual change are like rebels, the radicals that's like, yo, I'm not, mm-mm. what? You say black people got to sit in the back. Sir, <laughs> you see this bunny in? Okay, well, well, if you were able to see it, if you knew like I knew, <laughs> you don't want to step to this, okay? Didn't the bishop say that on the West Coast? Yeah, like, leave me alone. I ain't got nothing to say. Who you going to call? I don't care if you call Ghostbusters, sir. I'm not going to the back of the bus. Okay, um, ma'am, Rosa Parks. And, and thank God for your bunion that day. Because it took for you to be like, nah. <laughs> Very simply. And I'm looking outside, so 
Take whatever picture y'all think y'all finna take. I am not getting up, okay? Uh, if you saw the way this bunion and callus combo was working, you too <laughs> would sit at the first seat that you saw that was empty. Have a nice day. I'm I'm just, I'm not. You want me to come in this bus, pay, walk back down, go all the way. Do you understand that uh, these shoes were from Payless, okay? And uh, I paid less for them, so I'm paying for the pain of that? Um, sir, no. Oh, you? You gonna call and keep threatening people and saying if you uh go ahead and march, we finna do this down the third to your family and this down the third to your church and this down the oh okay. What you doing? Laying up my outfit for the march. Okay, Martin Luther, King Junior, sir. <laughs> okay, listen, I, I I get it, Malcolm. I get it, sir. I get it. I do not believe that you can be an an adequate catalyst to change but yet you follow the consistent rules you are nothing that change is going to be a flow through you are stagnant you are agreeable you are consistent and you don't even ruffle the feathers in your pillow but yet you complain about the things around you could it be that God is allowing for you to be uncomfortable in some places? Because if it makes you uncomfortable, then you are wired and called to change it. Now, the Bible says that God is a God of order and consistency and, you know, divine. Or he, it, listen, he likes for things to flow. But he's also about that change life. Okay, he's also that mm, I know that an order was put in place where they said kill all the Hebrew boys. But I'm going to go ahead and place something on the heart of these two nurses and I'm going to stir up something in them so that they won't probably be able to put it into words. But killing this particular baby, it bothers me. I don't think I want to do that. Rebel. Yeah, I know that you said we're not supposed to have no boys, but. I'm going to hide them for three months, okay? And uh, I'm not doing what you said. I know it's a law, decree, whatever. Like, you know, it's something of higher stance that I should be following. And it's even in the Bible to follow the rules of the land. You, that's what you're supposed to be doing, what your president say, what your whomever say. But then if God placed his finger on you, like, nah, that's not right. I know somebody in authority placed that, but no, I don't want you to follow that one then something in you should connect to that thumbprint that God put on. Something in you should connect to that discomfort and really ask, if you don't know the coordinates to get there, God, why are you making me uncomfortable? And what change do you want to produce through me? Because there's certain things that you weren't called to change. Let me, let me go ahead and be honest with you. Uh, I would be a hypocrite if I signed up to be a part of uh, PETA. Okay, the people that's really serious about don't wear fur and they'll throw something on you, some paint, some stuff. I care about the animals. I'm not going to hold you. But I'm not stirred up in my soul where it bothers me to the point that other people who don't understand that I'm bothered by this is going to be uncomfortable. I'm not going to nobody's paint store, Walmart, Sherman Williams, whomever, buying a whole can of something. And in ruining the fur because you 
didn't think about the animal that you're wearing and that is it's very um it's very involved and while I understand the cause I'm not stirred up enough to go ahead and be a part of that life um I'm not going to post pictures of baby cows and pigs and murderers that they do in the slaughter home and you know, all and make people feel bad about what they're eating because I chose not to eat it. So I'm going to contort your emotions so that you then now are aligned with my beliefs. I'm not doing that. And I don't believe that that's what God wants us to do. I believe that the change that he arranges and wires you for is executed in a way that you stand for something you stand for something. It can't nobody bend what you stand for. And whatever comes of that, you now are the example. And whatever comes of the example, now the change is ushered that way. Martin Luther said, my people won't be oppressed. I'm not finna hold forums and have people, other people, feel bad because you African-American, so you should be marching too. And you should be, he was just like, I'm getting ready to be the change because I'm bothered by what I see. The absolute end. This is what I'm doing and that's it. Rosa Parks didn't tell the rest of the people in line, you should come up here and sit in some of these seats too because you, as a black person, you, we, we need to get together. And she says, sir, I'm not getting up. Okay? I'm not getting up. Good, sir. So do what you will, do what you want, but I'm going to do what I did, <laughs> okay? And that's just it. And I ain't going to hold nobody else's grandbaby to what I'm getting ready to do. And so I went back to the Bible because, you know, that's how I get down in these streets. And I thought about um, them Hebrew boys, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego. Um, yeah, them, them good folks over there. And I was like, you know what? I rocks with y'all, <laughs> I bangs with y'all on a whole nother level because y'all was like, so I'm going to tell you what I'm not getting ready to do so that you can decide what you want to do. Um, OG Gangsters, and like, I'm sure they had a face tat. If not a neck tattoo, definitely a face tattoo. Like, I'm going to go ahead and tell you because the way that the gangsterness was thereof. Okay, let me give you some backdrop. Read your Bible, but I'm going to give you a backdrop. So Nebuchadnezzar, okay, um, he was the king, and there was a couple of things that was happening in his streets. He did a couple of things. He promoted some people. He did a couple of things. Okay, great. And what was happening in Daniel 3 is that he decided, he started feeling himself like the deacon is um, Beyonce and Nicki Minaj. Uh, and he said, I'm going to go ahead and make a statue. It's going to be huge, okay? It's going to be great. It's going to be huge. And uh, I hope you caught that. And uh, I want everybody to worship it. It's going to be a statue. It's going to be of me. It's going to be, I mean, all the things that a narcissist would do, uh, someone who's arrogant will produce. And I'm going to make it a law that uh, when you hear all the particular instruments that I aligned to this, which was the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kind of music, that the quota is you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. That's what it says in Daniel 3, 4, right? Now let's go ahead and see um, how the gangsters roll <laughs> in the Hebrew streets. Uh, six, Daniel 3, you know I read in the NIV version, verse 6. 
Whoever does not fall down in worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Oh, that's enough to say, okay, you know what? <laughs> I probably won't bow. I probably just been down the time my shoe get back up. I did, you said a blazing furnace? Okay. Seven. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nation and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Okay, so everybody was pretty much compliant. They said, listen, the new rule is you got to get vaccinated. Okay. The new rule is that you, uh, did you, ooh. Did I say that? Okay. Um, the new rule is we're going to build the wall. The new, whatever the new rule is, people was like, yeah, even if I'm completely against it, it's a rule, so I'm going to go follow it. Oh, okay. You see my stare down? Okay. Um, verse 8. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. 9. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. 10. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zap, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. 11. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. 12. But there are some Jews who you have sent over the affairs of Providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who paid no attention to you. Your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men who were brought before the king. Four. And Nebuchadnezzar, 14. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? 15. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, his teeth, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are already, or if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then will God will be able to rescue you from my hand. That's the equivalent low-key when your parent was like, I'm going to say it again. Do we understand each other? Okay. Because AKA the threat was, you know what's going to happen if I got to talk to you again. Okay. So um, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. 18. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, I'm explaining something to you. I didn't add any problem to that. I didn't. Listen, I just read it because commas mean slow down, okay? I just read it exactly. These boys is gang. So you want to hear it again? Verse 18. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. These boys. Okay, 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious. Okay, um, Nebuchadnezzar, sir, you have an anger issue. 
No, like low key, like if I keep like you, it don't even say that you were upset, you were offended, like furious. Like how? Okay, you may want to go see somebody about that. I'm not. I'm just trying to, because how they have you written in these Bible streets. You ain't looking too good. Okay, 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. Oh, okay. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Wait, time out. I thought that you called them in there to go threaten them, so you say, I, I shouldn't have to talk to you again. But it's the fact that they already told you, I don't care if you call us back in here again, we're not going to do it. So you decided not like, shouldn't you have just said, okay, well, you know what? <laughs> we going to see next time. You didn't even wait till next time. You became so furious that you said, no, this time, I'm going to go ahead and act like you disrespected me that next time. And that's something about anger. Anger doesn't give you the opportunity to breathe it out. I would have respected um, Nepser more if he said, okay, well, we'll see. <laughs> okay, yeah, oh, that's what you said? Oh, we'll see. Let them go away and congregate it with his people. Like, so if they disrespect me, how y'all think I should handle that? Something about acting in real time is probably not the smartest thing to do. Let that be a note to self to whoever's grandbaby needs that. Okay, um, let's go back. So, 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual, 20, and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace, 21. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. Can I say something, sir? I think they got enough clothes on that they're not going to escape. Okay, It looked like they were dressed for winter. Okay. Uh so I, I don't th I don't think you need to tie anybody up. They not they not gonna be a runner or a track star. If they run, they're not gonna get far. Like uh seriously, did you read all the they had on a bubble coat, a beanie, a scarf, like did you read all that? Because I don't really Okay. <sighs> Twenty two. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 23 and these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace that's the problem when you don't know how to control your anger for whatever the reason you then harm other people that should have never been harmed in the first place mm. no I'll shut up I'll leave it alone that's between you and God 24 then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. <laughs> A.K.A., I ain't want to gossip, but you, this may, you may, okay. 25. He said, look. I want greens, beans, man. Okay. He said, look. I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods <clears throat> 26 nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted shadrach meshach bendigo servants of the most high god come out come here so shadrach meshach and abendigo came out the fire 27 and the satraps perfects governors and royal advisors crowded around them they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. 
their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Hmm. 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who was sent his angels and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. 29. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. What'd you say? The king promoted. Wait, hold on. Go back. Promoted. Mm. The uncomfortable road to promotion. What you thought greatness was just going to be given to you on a platter? What you thought that the enemy wasn't going to try to put some people in, in positions that uh, is going to make your promotion difficult? What you thought? You thought that this was going to be, oh, I'm sorry, you're wired to do what? Oh, absolutely. Are you going to do great things for the kingdom right this way? You thought that's what earth was going to say? Mm-mm. There's a competing force in this thing called earth. <laughs> There's a competing force in the spiritual realm. Please don't be uh, deluged enough to think that the uh, path to your promotion is going to be easy, breezy, beautiful. Cover girl. It's going to be difficult, but God got you. Like, he'll protect. If he directed you there, he'll protect you on the way there. The end. It's really not much to talk about. But you know what got to me? I went to the verse beforehand. Daniel 2. And I went down to the later verses, 46, because Nebuchadnezzar, that, that chapter, Daniel 3, the chapter after, that wasn't the first time that he acknowledged that God does some great things and that God was covering these people and that God, I want to go ahead and, and show you this. So Daniel went ahead, the verse beforehand, Daniel chapter 2, and interpreted a dream that was troubling Nebuchadnezzar. And when Daniel was able to do so after praying to God to go ahead and, and have the gift of interpreting dreams, let's, let me show you what happened in Daniel 2, verse 46. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering be an incense be presented to him. 47. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you are able to reveal this mystery. Talking about his dream. 48. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire providence of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. 49. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the providence of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. So you mean to tell me that um, this epiphany, uh, Nebuchadnezzar already knew that God was about that life when he came to them. So what that went ahead and showed me is that people forget. People forget the same Daniel that interpreted your dream, Nebi, 
in Daniel chapter 2, just one chapter over, is the same Daniel that you had gall enough to tie him up and throw him in something? Yeah, so sometimes the road to promotion is uncomfortable. And, and I wanted you to remember that. The promotion always comes at the end because God is a, is a promise keeper. If he said it's going to be done, it's going to be done. If it's a desire of your heart and it has not been manifested yet, then it's going to be manifested. It's just That's just the way our daddy rolls. However, comma, people forget God, God doesn't. People forget, oh, you have an anointing on you. Wait a minute, you were called to be A, B, and C. Wait a minute, people forget, and it's okay. I don't want you to. My challenge to you is to go ahead and already accept that there is an uncomfortable road to promotion. However, comma, you don't have to be uncomfortable getting there. Hmm? Yeah, the Bible says, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, that, um, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I don't read anywhere, even when we were reading Daniel 2, Daniel 3. Uh, these boys weren't uncomfortable. Actually, this seems like they were more confident than what the situation called for. Hmm? Would you agree? So, just because... It may be uncomfortable in that the circumstances aren't ideal. That doesn't mean that you have to feel uncomfortable on your way to your God-ordained promotion. Do you understand that? I pray that whatever was needed to strengthen you in your day-to-day whatever assignment you have, whatever task you have, that this conversation was the fuel that you needed. I pray it was the pit stop that was needed before you did something out of anger, Nebuchadnezzar. Before you went ahead and just jumped and made a decision through your emotions, Nebuchadnezzar. I pray that the Nebuchadnezzar mindset and emotional wiring is dismantled in the mighty name of Jesus. I need you to be firm. I need you to be confident. And I pray that everything that you were getting ready to do, you found your resolve through this conversation, through the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to close on that because I feel like you got what you needed. You know what these conversations are. I ain't finna fool with you. They life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to have with you. But who? Your favorite homegirl, Kay? But look, uh, I have some leftover food. I need to go ahead and warm up slightly because I don't like my food all the way hot. Mind your business. I'm somebody's grandbaby. And uh, we're going to go ahead and talk again because I do have something else I want to call you about, okay? Keep up. Take your phone off silent. Vibrate. Okay? Because, no, I had to call you twice this time, and I don't understand why you didn't pick up on the first ring, but that's between you and the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. We talk later, okay? Later.